Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Matty. Yeah? You ever seen The Wizard of Oz? Some time ago, yes. Yeah, do you remember The Scarecrow? Uh, vaguely. You remind me of The Scarecrow. Mm? What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. That's you, Matty. <laughs> Welcome everybody to another episode of Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast. Today we're focusing on a very brief introduction of the nervous system. So this isn't going to be a very long episode, but it's going to be a nice brief episode to introduce you all to a couple of episodes we're going to be recording shortly on the nervous system. And then we'll look at some disease states associated with the nervous system as well. Before we begin, again, if you'd like to contact Dr. Matt and I, Please, you can send us an email. You can ask us questions, queries, uh, correct us, because Matt's always wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can send us an email, gubiosciences at gmail.com. You can join us on Facebook, ask us questions there, interact with us at Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast. You can also chat to us on Twitter, which is gubiosciences, that's the Twitter handle, and Instagram, view some of our pictures, which again is at gubiosciences. All right, Matty. We're going to jump into the nervous system. Jump. Jump. You know, in order to jump, yes. we need the nervous system. In also, order to, also need muscles. Well, that's true. We need the nervous system to innovate those muscles. The nervous system actually allows us to see, hear, talk, All right, jump, sing, dance, touch, kiss, you do enough caress, brush Matt's hair. <laughs> All right. So, Michael, my question to you, why do we have a nervous system? Okay. For my... Well, I'm a neuroscientist, so I shouldn't say from my basic yeah, understanding. Uh, I would say primarily we have a nervous system. Well, actually, no, f- answer the question. Okay. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for your permission. Uh, primi- primarily, currently, communication. It's a communication network. All right. Why? What would you say is the reason why we have a nervous system? Uh, are you referring just as humans or all oh. all life? Well, yeah. not all life, I guess. Not all. Well, if if we look at life in general, yeah, in this, let's say in this world that we know it, yeah. Um, oh, so we're not talking other worlds. Well, you never know. <laughs> like, potentially, is life there? All right, let's know. talk about life as we know it on Earth, the planet Earth, <laughs> the planet Earth. <laughs> so, um, they need to be able to survive, really. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. And so they need to be able to protect themselves or respond to the environment. 
So externally, but also internally. Responding to the internal environment. So your own inside. So you need to be able to keep things in an order, which is probably the best term medically is homeostasis. So, so nervous system there for homeostasis. Part of it. Okay. And so also for keeping um, you alive from the outside world. So I mean like the purpose of life from a biological point of view is to stay alive and reproduce. Yeah. Right? And so the nervous system plays a big part of that. You're probably going to put a lot of philosophers offside by saying that. That's why I said biologically. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Glad you stipulated. All right. So, so okay. So, one of the definitions you have is that it maintains homeostasis. That's internally. Internally, okay. So, to keep your blood pressure going, to keep your heart beating, to keep yourself breathing, to keep mm. your gastrointestinal um, system moving along, digesting, absorbing, all that. All nervous Secreting system. Bad, bad toxins, all that stuff. Secreting bad toxins. Are yeah, you like sure? You, you, you the urinary system. So, to maintain that system as well. Excreting. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of in your internal uh, environment. Yeah. And then the external is, you know, responding to certain stimuli mm. um, that could be either beneficial or harmful. So um, light, you want to perceive that. Maybe some animals go towards it. Um, some animals might go away from it. Um, sounds, odors. I mean, a lot of animals... Um, even the vertebrates. So yeah, well, I'm a vertebrate. I walked into this room and there was a smell and it made me want to walk away. So I suppose that's a nervous system response. Yeah, that's right. That was a pretty bad smell, to be honest. Which I would argue... Go on. ...is probably one of the most important things. Well, farting. Smell. smell. Uh. Um, to, to, you know, keep you alive. Smell. I suppose there's a lot of people, a lot of people who develop anosmia, which is a loss of sense of smell... Um, there, as far as I'm aware, there is a correlation there between anosmia and depression. Mm, or even, isn't it just um, increased life expectancy? Yeah, life expectancy. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, um, so it's important for the particular organism, whatever it is, um, to be able to adapt and respond to the outside world. Yeah. And it does this by um, its nervous system, really. And I think, I could be wrong, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but. Um, we just have these specialized receptors either outside our body or on the surface of our body or inside our body that um, responds to this internal or external world and then we send it into our um, central system and then we process it and then we respond to it. Yeah. And so, I don't know, if I was going to simplify the nervous system, that was probably the Really? You reckon you simplified it? I'd say that your verbose answer, you could probably simplify by my simple answer by saying a communication system. Because okay. that's communication. It's communicating internal environment to the brain and back and communicating the external environment to the brain and back yeah. or even bypass the brain and go straight to the spinal cord and back, which is what we generally refer to as our reflexes. Yeah, and I, and I would argue further and say that almost everything neurological is a reflex. Yeah, what okay. Uh I uh, I've heard people say the same thing and I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so okay. So if but we let, say but, but let's let's just pause one second on the communication. You say that every episode yeah, every time right. I want to say something important. So if we're talking about communication, yeah. Um probably if you look at um certain lower order animals, yeah. um that maybe don't have a a great nervous system produced or yeah, complex um, they probably ref refer more or rely more on a chemical communication system like more of maybe the endocrine so yes it's kind of like the individual cells release some kind of chemical um, not a neurotransmitter can't be a neurotransmitter but some kind of chemical messenger let's well, you say. basically stole that so you said pause Michael and you well, paused the fact I was just about to talk about the endocrine system no, and how it say. differs to... Yeah, absolutely. All right, well... Interesting, huh? Okay, I've got a head. Um, <laughs> Pause. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so... Anyway, so... The problem with... Well, you, let, you answer this. The problem with having cells that communicate through chemical messengers, like yeah. little um, postal systems... Yeah. Like They're really hormones. What is the downside of that? Well, the downside of that is that it's slow. Yeah. And it's not direct. So this is how the nervous system differs from the endocrine system mm. as a communication network, is that the nervous system is, one, it's fast. Yep. Two, it's direct. So if you think about the endocrine or system... Localized. Or localised. Or localised, in the sense that... Unlike the endocrine. 
So with the endocrine system, you're obviously going to have cells or tissues that are going to release hormones, which are just chemicals. And these chemicals are just released into the surrounding environment. And these chemicals may interact with the same cells that released it. It may interact with the cells next door to the cells that released it. Mm -hmm. Or these chemicals may jump into the bloodstream and, and affect any cell that has a receptor or a, a lock that fits the key to that molecule anywhere in the body. Yep. The nervous system's different because these are basically highways that are directed from point A to point B, and they will only stimulate Where the path in which it goes to. Yeah. And, so and it's, it's quick. So it's thought that the nervous system, or at least say the cells of the nervous system, which functionally we call neurons, yeah. um, actually came out of an endocrine kind of secretory-like cell. So it goes from being, so with the endocrine system, goes from being seconds to minutes to hours to days in regards to its response to the chemicals that are released to yeah. the nervous system, which yeah. can respond within 0.1 of a second. Yeah, so milliseconds. Yeah. That's right, yeah. And so the difference here is, um, probably neurons you could sa- safely say that they still release these um, chemicals, mm. but it's usually at the end. And so now they rely on more their um, cell membrane, which they've in in many cases stretched out and caused a big long um, communicating-like pathway, which we call the axon, um, to do that transmission. So okay, well, if that's what we're going to move into, let's. I think now I think we just break up the nervous system. What it kind of is, I think we now should go into how it's broken up. All right. So first of all. In regards to the nervous system as being a communication network, we've sort of known this for hundreds of years. The Greeks, in actual fact, thought that the nervous system was a communication network, but they didn't know how it worked. Galen, who was a a Greek physician... He was Roman, I think. Was he Roman? I'm pretty sure he's Roman. Yeah, okay, maybe. I'm not a a (laughs) medical historian. I think he only did his work on pigs, though, so... You need to cut him some slack. Okay. Um, he recognized the nervous system as being a communication network. Uh, didn't know how it worked. He thought that they were tubes. So they were hollow tubes, and inside those tubes carried, carried what he called animal spirit, mm-hmm. which was actually the basis for the term psyche or psychic. Because that was still about all the humors then as well. That's right. Yeah. And then as time progressed, hundreds of years, Rene Descartes, famous philosopher. He looked at the nervous system and again knew it was a communication network and knew that there were nerves, which are these long cord-like structures, that if you went close to a fire, he thought that the heat from the fire would in some way stimulate the ends of these nerves, which then go and talk to the brain to tell you that there's something hot. But he didn't know how this transmission occurred. He thought that the heat instead of transducing a a chemical electrical or electrochemical signal, which we'll talk about, he thought that the heat pulled on the nerve, which then pulled on the brain just like a cord would to a bell. And so that's how he thought that it worked. So he didn't fully grasp. He he helped basically progress science, but he was wrong in certain aspects. But he did think, therefore, he was. Cogito ergo sum. (laughs) That's right. Um, All right. So if we break up the nervous system... Yes. We can basically, and um, future podcasts will be looking at these divisions, right? Central yeah, nervous and, and system. that's where we can have you, the listener's input if you have something specific. I think we'll try and focus a bit more on clinical uh, pertinent areas, but if you have s- certain things you really want us to talk about in the nervous system, please let us know. I think we will talk about Parkinson's disease and dementia and multiple sclerosis and common degenerative, neurodegenerative disorders, and we'll also look at you know traumatic brain injury, spinal cord injury at some point in the future. Mm. Central nervous system and peripheral nervous system are the major divisions. Yes. So I'll talk about the central very quickly. Maybe you can then talk about the peripheral. Yeah, so... Well, let me talk about the central, and then you can talk about the peripheral. So just in terms of us as humans... Yeah. <laughs> we are vertebrates. Thanks. And we... Um, What's that mean? What's that mean to people? Well, we've got a ver- vertebral column or a vertebral... Yeah, I guess column. Is yeah, protects the nerve. Backbone. Yeah. backbone. Yep. Um, protects the spinal cord. Yeah, so they're also in the phylum called the chordata, mm-hmm. which um, comes from notochord. But anyway, we won't go into that. But Glad you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, um, the lower order kind of invertebrates, they have more of a diffuse structure. What's a low, like, give us an example. Uh, so 
the higher order invertebrates would be like spiders and insects. Yeah. Uh, I think the lower stuff would be probably... Maybe even some worms can okay. have a... But the lower stuff would have more of a diffuse nervous system network. Yeah. But then as we move up to a more complicated... But let's just jump into the vertebrates. Yeah. So from fish onwards, okay. they have a centralized system. Um, and this is essentially the central nervous system, which we're about to explain. Yes. Yeah, so but the one thing that's different is basically um, the non-vertebrates have all their centralized system at the front of their body, whereas us, all our central nervous system is at the back. Ah. So behind the, let's say, the, behind the gut. Okay. So, so it's a dorsal. So we would say dorsal. It's dorsal, yeah. But for these non-vertebrates or invertebrates, that well, it'd be uh, eventually yeah. uh, located system. Yeah. Oh, anyway, you go on. Sorry, central nervous system. So central nervous system uh, basically comprises of the brain and spinal cord. Mm. That's the central nervous system. Yep. And it's central anatomically yep. uh, because it's located right in the middle of the body. And it's central physiologically because... It basically controls everything. So you can look at it as being central anatomically and central physiologically. Now, the central nervous system being the brain and spinal cord obviously needs to communicate with in uh, other aspects of the internal mm. portion of the body and external. Mm. So how does it do it? Well, it basically has these projections that come off the brain and the spinal cord and these projections are nerves and these are fibers and these fibers will go out to the periphery and come back in. So it can pick up what's going on and it can send signals to go out. Yeah. So there's afferent signals to the central nervous system. These are signals that go in from the external or internal part of the body, goes to the brain or spinal cord. That's what an afferent signal is, a signal going to the brain or spinal cord, and then which is a sensory signal. And then an efferent signal, which is going out and away from the brain and spinal cord, which is usually some sort of motor signal. But now, I like to say, because you could say inferent, so like a fairy. Yeah. fairy is... Something to carry. A ferry can take you back home, though. This is the way I remember. A yeah. ferry can go to and fro, right? Yeah. But I, I think afferent, af is away from the stimulus. Yeah. Okay. And then efferent is towards the effector, which okay. is what you're trying to do. I like e yeah, efferent towards the effector. Yeah. Um, so in the effect in this case could be um, a mechanical effector, or it could be a chemical, like a, a muscle or a gland. So in saying that, the brain and spinal cord will innovate various peripheral parts of the body. And this is the second division of the nervous system, which is the peripheral nervous system. So talk a bit more about peripheral nervous system, Matty. So I think you, you've done it well. So well done, Michael. Um, <laughs> Thanks. So the central nervous system... I only do these podcasts <laughs> to get your praise. To get your praise. Yeah. So um, the central nervous system, as you said, uh, has the brain, has the spinal cord. Um, and... From an embryological point of view, the brain is basically a continuation of the spinal cord. So, what came first, brain or spinal cord? Well, the neural tube. So, a tube, neural tube. A, a tube that closes up. And you might have heard the term like neural tube defects. Yeah. And so, well, talk uh, about this tube for us. So, 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 at what stage? Okay, let's just say, so mummy, we, we, okay, you, wait, mummy meets daddy, and yeah. daddy and mummy get along really well. They go to the movies. I'm probably starting too early in this, but go to the movies, have dinner. They do this maybe... Uh, it's up to them how many times they do this well, before they like become quite intimate. And let's say they become intimate. Okay, uh, I'm not going to do it in real you. time. Let's not do it in real time. Okay. Like Dr. Carl says, they, your parents love each other in a special way. Okay, let's just say that's happened. <laughs> okay. And the sperm has fertilized the egg. And then that egg has started to grow and divide. Yep. So it's just implanted. two cells merges one. Yeah. Then you have a one cell embryo. Yeah. That's happened in the fallopian tube. Yep. And that will just move out the fallopian tube. Takes about a week, and then it comes into the uterus. Implants. Implants into the uterus. And starts to divide. So that's about one week into it. And it's already divided. It's just growing it's, now. Yeah. It's all divided now. Okay. Y you have cells different differentiating into um, those cells that become the uh, placenta and those that, that become the embryo. All right, where's okay. this tube at? Uh, well, that happens at about, for humans, it happens at about 21 days, so probably around three weeks. So the mother, um, the future mother, may just know she's pregnant or she's probably just missed a um, period. Uh, period. 
as the tube starts to develop. As the tube starts right. to crest up. Yeah. So what's this tube doing? So explain to us. So, so if on the I back, could... as I said, um, the nervous system develops on the dorsal surface. So yep. on the back of the embryo, which is not really an embryo, it's just a, a sheet of cells, it starts to crest up and close up. So wait. The tube is basically if I were to get an A4 piece of paper yeah. and just fold it into a tube. Exactly. That's 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 what the tube looks like. Yeah. And then what happens is so the the is there a top and a bottom to this tube? Uh, well, there's a there's a um, they usually call it cranial and caudal. Which so is one's closer to the head, head and one further away. And are both ends of this tube open? Yes. And okay. where it first closes is probably in the cervical region, which would be kind of your back. So closer to the head. Yep. Okay. So that'd be kind of your neck region. All right, so, so, so it closes about day twenty-one. Okay, and then what happens? You said it starts to. So it's like then it's like a zipper. So just like when you're zipping your jacket closed, mm-hmm. it zips both cordially, so down towards the bottom end, and then cranially up towards the head end. So how come? Okay, and so the head end, obviously, you said the brain is a projection out from this mm. tube, and so that you start to get these these bumps and lumps and folds and grooves. You got to close the tube first, though. Even at the caudal end. Yeah, both ends. So when does a so a neural tube defect, which is a non-closure of well, it's different. It's there's different uh, levels of it. It's on a kind of a continuum. So it can be very serious, and the and the whole tube stays open, mm-hmm. or it could it the tube closes, but the the tissue around the tube doesn't um, develop so well. So you might not have a fully um, developed vertebra. You might in the very mi- the minimum form of spinal bifida it might just have a tuft of hair where, okay. where you had the tube issue. So if we've got uh, uh, the caudal end not closing yep. and you get a, ch- a neural tube defect, yeah. what about if we get the, uh, the so that's the caudal end. Cranial end. What about the cranial yeah, end? Yeah, that's much more serious. So is that when something becomes embryologically lethal? That would be, yeah, you'd probably have a stillborn. Okay. So... Uh, I think a lot of the body would continue to develop. Yeah. But essentially, where it closes at the cranial end, the top end, um, that's highly. It's, it closes about day twenty-five, so it's about four days after the first part of the tube closes. Yeah. Um, that is very dependent on temperature. Really, the yeah. closing is t- on the on the top end. Yeah. And so this is why certain uh, infections, because they develop, the mother would develop a fever can be what they call a teratogen, which is a uh, developing... If happening at particular times throughout this process. Wow. So I think they did uh, an observational study in Sweden or Norway. Sweden. And they found that mothers who had a sauna, and as you know with a sauna, it's all about high moisture and um, steam. It's hot. So you can't regulate your temperature well. Yeah. And they found that mothers who had a sauna on day 25... Um, their babies would not develop the wow. closure. And so wow. they, had, they had a condition called anencephaly, which is essentially no back of head. Is this correlative or is this a causative thing? Do we know this definitively? Yeah, I think it's a causal. Wow, wow. So temperature. And that's why some viruses, I think, um, they will give, maybe even chickenpox. I could be wrong with that, but there was, or maybe rubella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of them, because if you get it, it will cause a big fever wow. around that time. So, all right. Well, we need to anyway, let's go through. So that's and if you go inferiorly or quarterly, the closure of that one mm. is highly dependent on what folic acid. Ah, of course. Hence, taking folic acid yeah. supplements. Otherwise, you get um, the neural tube defect, which is well, it's not definitive. Up. It's it's just help. It lowers your likelihood. So it's not as if, if you don't take those right, supplements. Right. If the level is deficient to what it should be, because yes. folic acid has an important role in DNA and so forth, it, I guess, has that effect. Mm. It's a it's an important metabolite which we don't produce ourselves. Yeah. We have to get from our diet. Yeah. Other animals, like bacteria, for example, can make their own folic acid. We can't. Yeah. Okay. So. So the tube closes. Tube closes. It goes all the way up to your head and mm. all the way down to your tail. Okay. And, and, My and tail. So, well, your coccyx. What you call me? Okay. Yeah. So, essentially, your central nervous system comes out of that tube. Okay. So, all this, every single cell that produces your brain and spinal cord um, would come out of that tube. Wow. Mm. All right. So, brains, so, brain and spinal cord, that's central. I spoke about central nervous system. What about all the nerves that now... Pre- so, we're going to have sensory 
and motor nerves, right? right? Now, sensory nerves are those that pick up a stimulus from inside the body or outside the body Very and good. send yep, it to yep. the brain or spinal cord. Excellent. And a motor is sending it out from the brain or mm-hmm. spinal cord. So, do both sensory and motor neurons originate in the central nervous system? No, no. Only the motor. So, only the ones coming out. That makes yeah. sense. Only the ones coming out originate at the central nervous system, project out. So, you're saying that when we look at a tree and we think of the trunk of a tree... Yeah. That's the central nervous system, right? And then we look at the branches and we think of those branches as being the peripheral aspects of the nervous like system. A continuation of it. But in actual fact, the branches that shoot off from a tree are analogous to the motor nerves. Right. So it's sort of like branches coming from off the tree and then branch into the tree. Mm. That's going to be sensory nerves. Yeah. So where do they come from? Uh, well, they come as the, the tube is closing up. It's causing like a cresting and there's a group What's of that mean? Just kind like of it like folds a, over. the crest of a wave right, oh, okay, right yep. on top of the crest. Yep, so it starts um, to fall. A group of cells jump out of that crest before it turns into a tube and that's called... As in totally disassociates yeah, with it. Yeah, and they're called the neural crest cells and they do a lot of things in the And body. where do they sit? They just kind of go out on either side of the tube just parallel to it. Okay. Side. And they develop um, what we call ganglions, which is um, cell bodies or neurons. Outside of the nervous Outside central the nervous central system. Nervous system. Yeah. And then it's probably a bit more complicated in the brain, but essentially they form what we call the sensory part of the spinal or cranial nerves. So are they so when you say they jump out of the central nervous system so and the become tube, the, the tube, it's not they a jump, sorry. They jump off the tube. Mm. Where are they actually sitting? Are they sitting in something that would become then all of our sensory ending, like our? No, that, so then, so they at this stage they're just a round cell, okay, a group of round cells, but at each level. So if you can kind of cut yourself up from head to toe in little sectional blocks, yeah, um, or planes, um, you'd have a, a group of these neural crest cells all each, the way down, all the way down. Ah, and, okay. And they would innovate that region. Gotcha. And that kind of gives you your dermatomes. If you, so what's a dermatome? Uh, it's a bit complicated, but it's kind of a region of your skin that's innervated by that one nerve coming from your cord. Ah. So a good way to think of it is if you... Have you heard of... Um, what's the chicken pox for adults? Shingles. Shingles, have you yeah. Heard of shingles? Yeah. I've had shingles. Oh, you've had shingles? It's, yeah, it's horrific. So, quickly, just to describe what happened, really quickly, in yep. 30 seconds. Okay, shingles, you come out with this little tiny rash that looks like these punctate dots in a particular area of the body, and what happens is you get an immense amount of pain to that area, and you can't really utilize that part of the body well. But what you'll find is that it, the, it tends to loca- or localize to areas which... Um, map back to certain parts of the spine. Mm. So basically, shingles will impregnate itself within your spinal nerves. Mm. And when it you have an exacerbation of this virus, it basically just tends to propagate down those spinal nerves mm. to wherever it innervates to your body. Yeah, so skin, if, right? To the skin. Yeah. So for example, you may get it on your thigh and that's innervating back to your... Where would that innervate back to, Matty? If it's innovating your thigh so or, lum- or L- hamstring, L- say L4. back to your lumbar region. So right. that's where it's originated. So basically, that's a good indication of the dermatomes. Yeah. So, so if you've ever gone to your doctor and look at the back of the doctor's door, sometimes they have this big map of the human body, which looks like it's broken up into lined areas. Like they've drawn lines across certain parts of the body and then certain colors are designated to it and then there's letters and numbers on it t1 t2 c1 c2 and that's basically saying that you can touch certain parts of the body and that tells you and if you can feel it that tells you that that where that maps back to to the spinal cord is functioning and it's all good then it also explains when some like say sciatica um, when a person has um, let's say a back problem where mm. let's say a disc their their disc kind of comes out of where it should be and presses on these spinal nerves um, you would think it would cause pain at that region at the back a, yeah but actually can refer all the way down to your toes or your calf because that's where those nerves come out to right, go to and innovate all right yeah so um, basically what happens is you have these segmented um, group of cells that then get these st- they start to stretch. One end goes into the spinal cord to put the signal in and the other one goes all the way out 
to they usually external receptors, which okay. are receptors that will um, innovate to pick up the outside world. So it'll pick up things like touch, pressure, pain, temperature, things like that. And so these receptors are just modified nerve endings, right? Well, they can be, or they can just be. Um, so they could, you could have just an end, uh, a nerve end, like a, so, like a pain. Pain, yeah. Or a certain temperatures yep. with just a free nerve ending. Okay. Or you might have much more specialized things that c- probably come out of a more of a skin structure, like, um, like kind of looks like, like specialized touch receptors. Yeah, it looks so like forth. onions, and so it's kind of got ring rings in it. Okay. And so as like pressure waves goes through it, depresses the rings, and then pushes on the nerves, and then sends a signal. All right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So, we and said so central... Yeah, did you, yeah, you have more for the peripheral? And that, so, that is essentially bringing in sensations from the outside world. But can it also be... So, this is a further division now of the sensory, or of the peripheral, should I say. You can have somatic or autonomic. Okay, so, we've said that the central nervous system is brain and spinal cord. Yeah. The peripheral nervous system are all the nerves that are coming out and away from the brain and spinal cord or coming back in towards mm-hmm. the brain and spinal cord. We've said that the peripheral nervous system can be broken up into the sensory division where you're f- basically getting some sort of sensation coming from the external or internal environment. Mm-hmm. And the motor division, which is basically responding often responding or making some sort of uh, yeah, yeah, eliciting right. some sort of response. It's now, like a reflex. And, and the motor can either go to muscles, glands, or organs, right? Now, so can the sensory, to be honest. So muscles, glands, or organs. But saying that... But in saying I, that... I'm going to be a nitpicky here. But yeah. I could be... Give me an exception, but I don't think there is. I think... So the, the, the motor, the efferent, the only two things that will innovate is a mechanical... Um, structure or a chemical structure so it's either a gland yep or a muscle absolutely right and so it could be a skeletal muscle to move your bones or it could be a smooth cardiac muscle to move blood vessels gut heart is that right absolutely yeah. so so in so to break that up into simpler terms your sensory division and your motor division can be broken up into further subdivisions which we call visceral or somatic which is what you were just uh, alluding yeah. to before and, and so somatic somatic is body yes visceral so if you have a visceral response you have an internal response so let's just look at the somatic and visceral division of the sensory nerve of the sensory aspect of the nervous system okay Okay. so that means that if we look at the somatic division of the sensory nervous system Mm -hmm. right so this is bringing sensory information in into the brain or spinal cord Mm. Let's say somatic, like you said, soma means body. So it's picking up. So anytime you touch the table, that's a sensory somatic stimulation experience, right? The visceral division is when that sort of um, sensory input is coming from a gland. Yeah, internal stuff. Or an organ. Yeah. Right? Makes sense? Okay, same thing happens with the so motor. That's the kind of stuff to keep your internal. Remember, I said the two main things: external response to the external or internal. So the visceral is more about your body, your brain, your spinal cord having an understanding what of all your viscera or organs are doing. So let's just say uh, you uh, you've d- decided to eat a meal because you're starving and you're gulping a lot of air, and that air that you've just swallowed into your GIT, your gastrointestinal tract, start to distend some of your small intestines and bowel, and it's stretching that tissue. You've got stretch receptors in there, mm. which go to your brain, and you go, oh, I've got a tummy ache. Yep. That is the visceral division of the sensory nervous system, right? Yes, that's right. Then the somatic division of the sensory nervous system, like I said, is anytime you look at me and, I, and see me, smell me, hear me, talk to me, touch me, that was an example, don't actually do it, that is going to be the somatic division of the sensory nervous system. That's pretty easy, right? I think so. Yeah? yeah. All right, let's go to the motor, and you can, again, break the motor up into somatic and visceral. Mm. Somatic's easy, right? Give me an example of the somatic division of the motor system. Just contracting a skeletal muscle. A muscle. So it's a skeletal muscle? Or it's skeleton. So yeah. it's a muscle that moves your skeleton. Okay, so... So if you wanted to run out of this office because of the smell that you spoke about, yeah, that would be you innovating motor or efferent to um, somatic effectors being your skeletal muscles. 
anything you do to interact with your external environment is is contracting some sort of skeletal muscle. Moving your tongue to talk, picking up your cup, like you said, running away, blinking. All of these things are uh, the motor division, stimulating skeletal muscle, which is the somatic division of the motor system, right? All right, what about the visceral? This is This is a bit more extensive. The visceral aspect of the motor system, like you said, is going to be muscles and glands. Uh, sorry, is going to be glands. And muscles. Smooth and muscles. muscles. Oh, very true. Muscles and glands. So, so the smooth muscles, give us some more examples of what smooth muscles are. Well, you said it, you could go back to your analogy with the gut. Yeah. So, you've had a big meal. Um, so, generally when smooth muscle gets stretched by distension, like you said, it has an automatic kind of um, contractile So, where would response. you find smooth muscle apart from the GIT? So basically, anything that you need to move that is involuntary. So skeletal muscle is voluntary muscle contraction, and smooth muscle is involuntary muscle contraction. In most cases, yes. So that's gonna it's gonna line hollow organs then. So it's gonna yeah. line your blood vessels, blood vessels, line your urethra and urethra, line your so bladder, that's in your, that's in your kidney system. line your reproductive system, line your yeah. GIT. Yeah. These are examples. Very good. Line lower aspect of your esophagus. Okay. I mean, there's some there's some exceptions to that. I'll give you some exceptions, like um, with skeletal muscles that can be involuntary. So, like your breathing muscle, your diaphragm. True. That is a skeletal muscle, but you don't consciously can. Well, you can control it. So through it's meditation one of those and so forth. Strange ones, but isn't you it? can't hold your breath until you die. No. It would kick in and then start breathing again, or you know certain. Um, pharyngeal muscles they're sl- f- what do you mean pharyngeal in the back of your throat okay. they help you swallow they're yep. mostly involuntary but you do have some control over them obviously yeah. um, they're highly coordinated same with your eyes you know you generally don't control the way you you can control your eye movement but generally it's an uh, autonomic response so alright so that this visceral division of the motor system so this visceral motor division can also be broken up even further just to further complicate things into my favorite part of the nervous system which is what we call like you just said the autonomic mm. the automatic part of the nervous system mm. and so the, this autonomic nervous system like you said controls things that we don't consciously control and this in actual fact is what you were talking about at the start of this podcast about responding to the internal external environment to maintain homeostasis so if we need to increase our blood pressure this is the autonomic nervous system Mm. if we need to increase our breathing rate for some reason it's the autonomic nervous system if we need to redistribute blood to certain parts of the body autonomic nervous system notice how all these things don't we can't control consciously digestion salivation pupil dilation heart rate all these things are controlled by this autonomic nervous system, which is, again, a visceral division of the motor system, which, again, is a division of the peripheral nervous system. So, this autonomic nervous system can be broken up into two divisions. What are they? Uh, they're sympathetic yeah. and parasympathetic. I think we should do a podcast on each of these divisions yeah. and talk about some common drugs that... Some yeah, of our listeners so there's no do it separately. Really talking about much now. No, but I think we should at least define them, right? Yeah. So parasympathetic is the system that's about when you're resting and digesting. Okay. And the sympathetic's about keeping you alive in a real stressful situation. It's the F's, right? Fight and flight. Yep. So you is it just those two F's? So they call it the four F's. Yep. So fight. Fight. Uh, which you do a lot of the time. All the time. Fright. Fright. Um, so get scared. Get scared. Yeah. Flight. Flight. Which running I'm away. More like me, I'll run. Very true. And then the um, last F is. It's just called making love. Making love. Okay, I gotcha. So these are the four <laughs> Fs for the sympathetic nervous system. They're kind of the things you do. So when Michael is confronted with a grizzly bear, he could choose to bash it up or make love to it. <laughs> 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 so, the, if a bear responds favorably to Michael through, through its olfactory that's what, system... That's when I flight. He, yeah, he's got the choice. Okay, so if we look at sympathetic, parasympathetic, they're basically... Uh, this is an oversimplification, but the opposite sides of a coin, right? So, parasympathetic is resting and digesting and relaxation, and the sympathetic is fighting, flighting, frighting, or making love. Mm. And so... 
both of these aspects of the nervous system are going to be switched on or more dominant than or that. more dominant than the other. So when sympathetic's turned on, it's going to overwhelm the parasympathetic and you're going to have more of a fight or flight response. Mm. Vice versa with the parasympathetic. So you can just think of times in which each of these systems have turned on for you or become more predominant. So after you've finished a meal and you become relaxed and your heart rate slows down and you start to salivate to help digest. I think you've already done that. And you start to breathe. <laughs> you start to breathe, you know, slower breaths but deeper breaths. This is activating the parasympathetic nervous system. And then you system. want to go for a swim in the pool and your mum said, no, Michael. No, you're, you're going to get a stitch and die. S- yeah, exactly. Ground, okay. Thanks, mum. And then I just so sit inside. So there's probably an essence of truth to that. But Maybe. Boy, but probably it's mom not accurate. Mum didn't know. She didn't know. She just didn't want me to go outside. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, wait, 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 wait. And then the para- and then the sympathetic nervous system, which think about times in which this has been activated for you. Like Matt said, if you've ever just gone for a walk and you haven't uh, looked properly when you cross the road and you nearly get hit by a car and you jump back and you look at your friend and your friend goes, wow, you look pale. You look pale because the blood has been shunted to parts of your body to help protect you in cases of flighting or frighting or fr- or fighting or whatever they are. Or your mum hasn't let you out of the house. Your mum hasn't let you out of the house. And you haven't got sun for a... <laughs> what else happens to you is your pupils tend to dilate when you get frightened and that's because it's trying to let more light in to see what's going on, get more... Um, so with the pupils, sometimes I see like, you know, two o'clock in the morning in, you know, so Brisbane. Yeah. Um, a lot of youth walk out of dance centers and they've got big pupils. Uh, that's different. That's not... Well, in actual <laughs> fact, that is activating the sympathetic nervous system, but pharmacologically. Is that... Oh, that's... that's <laughs> I just thought it was dark in there. No. That's uh, a pharmacological activation of the sympathetic oh, nervous okay. system. We'll talk about that in the okay, future. Well, uh, anyway, wait. Okay, very quickly. And your heart rate increases. And again... You can see Mark was very excited with this. I, I am. He's I've activated constant, my sympathetic nervous system. state of sympathetic action. But the reason... The reason why we have these systems is when certain times arise in which you need to protect your body and maintain homeostasis in times of fear or fighting, the sympathetic nervous system gets activated. When you need to maintain your body in times of feeding and resting and digesting, you're parasympathetic. And they'll be turned on to different degrees throughout the day. And as I said at the start, it's all about keeping you alive and reproducing. Communication. Communication. All right. right. Where are we going now, to finish off? I think we just have to say quickly, because we don't want to make it too long today. No. Um, that there's some important cells in the nervous system. Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll talk so about that. The two, the, two main area, or the two main types of cells in the nervous system are the neurons. So these are their actual... They're the things that send the signals. So they're the um, specialized cells that sends the communication signal along their processes, which is usually called an axon, that goes right to the end... And then by that electrical signal that sends down causes the release of that chemical, which then moves on to probably another neuron or to the effector. So the neurons are the functional cells of the nervous system, right? They have a cell body, just like most cells do, where they create... Um, where they have, you know, Golgi apparati and they so also make, have endoplasmic reticulum, mitochondria and, and cell body with the nucleus and so forth. That's where everything's being made. And then they've got these highways that project out and this just simply carries whatever they're sending. So it may carry mitochondria or may carry chemicals or may carry an electrical signal, whatever it may be. That's an axon. And then at the ends of these axons, we've got these bulbs which talk to the next neuron. And or then on the other the end, we've got things called... Um, uh, dendrites, which are like little antennae, and these dendrites will pick up a signal, and this signal may come from a muscle or another neuron, or it may come from a gland, or it may come from whatever it may a be. Receptor. A receptor. That is a neuron. Yep. And so, in the nervous system, whether it is um, parasympathetic, sorry, whether it's um, peripheral or central, they have some cells that put the neurons together, which they were termed to be the glue cells, the cells that glue it all together and they you like glia. etymology right the basis of terms yeah so glia means what glue I think glue in Greek Latin? Greek I think is it Greek it's Greek okay so these glia are these supporting cells and just like Matt said they support neurons yeah. so in what way can they support neurons they can protect them in, in the sense that if something's trying to kill off a neuron, whatever that may be, these glial cells can protect them by destroying that off. So have an immune type role. So in the ner- sorry, in, in the central nervous system, 
when we spoke about the neural tube, all the, all the neurons that have ever been made for you um, came out of that tube. And how many, approximately, Michael, how many neurons in the central nervous system? I don't know. Billions? Yeah, yeah, absolutely billions. So billions. Now, in most cases, the neurons, once they're made, once you're an adult, they can't be um, remade. So once you start losing your neurons, um, there's no real recovery. Yeah, Okay. that's right. If they're damaged too far. Um, now, the other cells that come out of the neurotrope are the glial cells, and they support those neurons, as we said. Now, in the central nervous system, we have a, g a whole group of them, which I'll go through really quickly. There's the um, a, a cell type in the central nervous system that puts insulation around the axon to make the signal go quicker. Just like a rubber coating to any of the wires in your house. Yeah, so like if you look at the power lines outside your house, they have an insulation around it. Otherwise, you know, you'd lose the electrical signal and um, they wrap it up, okay? And so you have a special glial cell in the central nervous system that does that called the oligo, meaning few, dendro, dendrites, sites, cells that have a few projections. And they wrap around the neurons okay. and stop the loss of electrical signal. Yeah. And just as a clinical point, if in some diseases these are killed off, like multiple sclerosis, mu yep, like multiple sclerosis, and that will slow down the action potential or the signaling, and that would ultimately cause big problems, and then ultimately can cause death. All right. What's another uh, neuroglia of the central yeah, nervous so, system? Um, where that whole tube um, was first made, the neural tube, right on the inside of it, you have specialized cells that have little um, cell projections on them, and they are important for producing and moving cerebral spinal fluid and they're called ependymal cells. So they line the cavities of the brain and spinal yeah, cord, and the so hollowed parts. The hollow parts. Okay. Th and that's where the tube is, that neural tube that oh, first gotcha. started it all. And they're in the brain, they're called ventricles, right? Yeah, in the brain, they're the ventricles, but in the um, spinal cord, they're at the central canal. Gotcha. Okay. And they move and, and create it. Then we'll you talk more about cerebral yeah. spinal fluid in then the Then you have little, little tiny cells called the microglia and they're like the immune cells of the central nervous system and they're for removing anything that's harmful or damaging or eating things up that might be... Um, or even dead neural tissue yeah, will right. phagocytose or eat up. Yeah. Okay. And then you have these things called astrocytes which you know sounds like stars because mm. they look like stars and they are important for sitting in between the synapses so that's the communication between the neurons to regulate the synaptic environment to make sure all the, the things that should be around there are there. It's also a major component of the blood-brain barrier. Yeah, so th and they also jump onto some, some of their star feet grab onto blood vessels and they can um, dictate what can go from the blood into the brain. Or it's very important, nose. right? Very important. But Im important clinically, because it's going to stop what's going to go from the bloodstream into the brain, but also that certain drugs that we give the patients may not be able to get to the brain because of these astroglia. Yeah, that's right. And, then, and you might have seen the functional MRI. Have you seen that kind of where they get a person to do something in an MRI scanner. Yeah, and you see certain parts get activated. Light up. Yeah. Yeah, that's due to the astrocytes because they dilate blood vessels to say, okay, Michael, I'm going to show you an image of, let's say, something really disturbing and Michael's emotional center of his brain lights up Yeah. and that's telling the blood flows going to that region which they um, correlate with more action potential. Cool. So I think that's everything for the glia in the central nervous system. Yeah, what about the peripheral? Now, no, that is, the peripheral. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now there's a homologue or the similar to yeah. the oligodendrocyte, but in the peripheral is the um, swan cell. So the swan cell does the wrapping. Swan does the wrapping of the peripheral nerves to myelinate them. Okay. Oh, so just like the oligodendrocytes in the central do the insulation for the brain and spinal cord, the Schwann cells do it for everything coming yep. out and away or back into the that's brain right. and spinal cord. And that's, cool. that's kind of my area of research, looking at Schwann cells ah. and how you damage peripheral nerves and how you can surgically repair them and regenerate them. We'll do a podcast on that. We'll talk about that later. And then lastly, you have these things called the satellite cells, which sit around kind of the cell bodies in the peripheral system yep. and help maintain kind of the dorsal root ganglion and so forth. Yeah, again, it helps regulate that chemical environment of the neurons. So that's really the, that's the a nervous brief. system in a nutshell. Yeah. I know we kind of rushed through a bit. One final point is when you see a nerve or a group of nerves that um, have the myelin around them, they will, be, they will look white. Yes, and so ah, this true. Is, and this is the white matter. Mm. And where you don't have any myelination, that is grey, and that's the grey matter. So anytime you look at a brain, or even spinal cord, yeah. and it's sliced up and you see the white parts, you know that that's Axon. axons that have these 
myelin around yep. it so that if it's in the brain or spinal cord, it's going to be the oligodendrocytes. Yep. And that's mainly white because it's pretty much fat, right? That's right, yeah. So these fatty layers surrounding, insulated. insulating the wires. And so it's usually the white areas is um, carrying signals yep. where the grey matter is it's the synapses. Of it's non-insulated. So I like to think of it as though the the... The white area of the highways. Yep. So nothing, nothing of importance is being made there, but it's just carrying it back and forth. So cars or electrical signals going back and forth, back and forth. And in the grey areas, there's so not insulation. That's that's the house and processing. So that's where you go home and you do everything you need to do. Or you go to work. So that's that's the place in which things are actually happening. Yep. So they're either making sense of the sensory what's coming in. Yeah. Or they're starting to generate a motor. All right. Response. All right. I think we've got a lot of stuff to talk about with the nervous system in the future. Mm. Hopefully, this was a good enough little brief for everybody, just a little nervous system 101, just so everyone's all on the same page and we're going to go start and look, go into some more detail for the nervous system. Yep. And so, as we said, um, if you've got certain neurotopics that yeah. you want us to cover, yep. whether it's a clinical. Um, correlate, something that's important clinically, or just a really difficult area of the nervous system that you never really understood, couldn't understand. We've had one student, uh, sorry, student, we've had one uh, listener ask uh, to do one on the on multiple sclerosis, which we definitely will do. And like I said, we're going to do a number of nervous system-based disorders and diseases. Um, so let us know. Apart from that, join us on Twitter, GU Biosciences. Join us on Instagram, GU Biosciences. Send us an email, GU Biosciences at gmail.com or Facebook, Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast. We'll see you soon, everyone. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.